You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm your co-host, PJ, Pastor Josh, along with Matt Shiles. Wait, Matt, you're already laughing. What's up, man? Pastor Josh, that kind of sounded like a like an overnight uh, radio host. Oh, did it? Hey, hey, well, you know, deep voice, and so we we have the we have the owner. I guess Jim is called the owner, or the leader, or CEO of Z eighty eight point three. So he and his wife they they've been coming here forever, yeah. and so they're longtime Northlanders. And so we've actually been talking about. Me having a featured spot oh. on Z eighty eight point three, so maybe I'm going ahead and working on my radio voice. You're working this on is, your radio. This voice. is Pastor Josh, the main point with Pastor Josh. So, but Joe's over here. Doing that so, I mean, I, we, we did invite Joe to to be a co-host, but I'm kicking him out, yeah. laughing at me. So you can't talk. Hey, uh, Steve, if you hear this, can you turn off his microphone? <laughs> just, just play. Whoa. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't even talk anymore. I have I have rendered you speechless. Peace be. <laughs> jo- Joe is so excited so. to be invited to the table. He's speechless. Uh, he's, spe- exactly. he's speechless. Well, especially I after I was invited to the to the adult table. I'm not back at the kids' table that's in the cave usually. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So, but maybe maybe in 2024 I will. And I, you know, I've been praying. I, I really have been praying about okay, what, what, what would the Lord give me for for a spot mm. on on the radio? Because I, I just don't want it to just be anything. I want sure. us to really think deeply. Because what's fascinating is that Jim has all of this research, and I've seen it, where sixty percent of the listeners of Z eighty eight point three don't go to church. Uh, that is so. I mean, it's mind-boggling for it for me. I'm like, I would have never, never guessed. That's a high it number. It is a wow. very high number. So, mm. wow. So maybe I'm working on my radio voice because I, I definitely don't have a voice for radio at all. <laughs> like, what did he say? Because you can't do subtitles on radio. <laughs> so, <laughs> good point. <laughs> you can't do subtitles and, on radio. And you can't read your lips. No. So <laughs> I'm going to have to speak very intentionally. So, so as you can tell, we're going to have some fun today, and <laughs> and we have Joe here. So anytime there's three of us, we have all sorts of fun. So and th- and this is going to be a part part one and part two. Oh, so you're planning on going long? So well, I mean, I don't know about long, but may- maybe we'll break it up for people. So you know, hey, listen, you, you know, you can do a thirty minute workout. 35-minute work, maybe 37-minute workout, and then think catch the next part the following week. It's perfect. Yes. So maybe 37 minutes, depending on how uh, how verbose you are. Uh, hey, look at that big word. I like it. So we are in uh, the Advent series, Memories of the Advent, and uh, this weekend was December 9th and 10th, and we're in Luke 1. This was 39 to 45 and this was all about community. So um, the idea that support community for surprise calls. And our main point was surprise callings require a support community. So the outline really laid out four questions for us all around community. Let me go through those and we will 
dive in. So first it says, why do you need community? It's a good question. Second is, where do you find such community? Even if we know we need community, then where do we find it? Um, That is vital for us, isn't it? Mm. Um, Third is, what does community look like um, practically in practice? And then fourth, what happens when you find community? And that's that's where we ended. Um, so any initial initial thoughts or reflections on this weekend? Yeah, a message like this is an example of why you need to take notes. You know, as I'm looking at it, I mean, again, they're very simple questions like why I need a community, where do you find it? But it builds it out. So, yeah. and, and the way I try to structure it is – that you can you can easily follow, you know. But part of easy following though is taking notes, uh, because when you look at it on paper, I mean, I actually said a lot. Yes. But it was all going back to this idea of what is really a support community, and so you're building out. Okay, why do I need it first of all? Yeah. Where where do I really find it? Yeah. And then what does it look like in practice? And then yeah. what happens like so but but when you look at the sub points, mm-hmm. I mean, like I that's why I would say if you don't take notes, I would encourage you to take notes. Now, some people I've I've heard over the you know, the, the last year is they don't necessarily take notes in the gathering. They'll go back and listen to it again and take notes. Hey, that's fine. Sure. However yeah. best you know. But, I mean, this is really – I actually had Tony Boney, yeah. who is the mayor of Longwood, longtime Northlander as well. Yeah. He came up to me and he said, man, this was so impactful mm. because I'm, I'm, I'm like the mayor. This is what we're shooting for is to create community. Yeah. And so, I mean, so this was actually even a great message that – that showed people that if you really want community, I mean, regardless of whether you're in the church or outside the church, I mean, th- this is kind of this is kind of what you ought to be thinking about in terms of what truly is a support community. So that's my ref- that, that's my initial reflection on it. Even when I see it written on paper, I'm like, okay, that that that's a lot. The kind of a lot of sub points, but yeah, but but they really framed out yeah. the actual the actual message to explaining the support community. Yeah. And just the in-depth, and you said it at the beginning of 11, is that we, we desire it. Mm. We, we might fight against it, and then we'll go into detail of it, but we truly, truly, deep down, really desire some type of community. Yeah, which is why I even wanted to start out with Hollywood, mm. is that, I mean, if you look at all the movies, you know, in some sense, the movies, the trilogies, the series that we love, they got they, they got a... We got a support community, and if you even look at the Oscars, mm. you you do have these awards that go to the best supporting mm-hmm. actress, mm-hmm. the best supporting, like be, because they they enhance. Mm. That's the reason why they win the award. They enhance mm. the 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 movie. Yeah, you, you know. So it, it is a it is definitely a principle and a truth. I would even say a truth that we. That we see in life is mm. that we 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 not only crave it, but but we need it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the, that first question lays out is is why do we need community? In um, those three points, uh, first of all, theological and ontological community is part of our very nature. Second is it's missional and functional community is where we live out our purpose. And then practical and beneficial community benefits us 
personally. So, so as you started and as you asked this first question, it really struck me that this is such a heavy one. And I think it's great for us to start with this question, but it had this, this, this heavy tone because even if we know we need it, it doesn't mean that's, that it's easy to overcome. Right. Because you, well, here's the thing. I know I need to lose weight. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I know the reasons why. But actually do it? Yeah. I mean, that, that's where the road, that's where the road, I know, I know I need to eat healthier. Listen, I love donuts. I love sweets. Like I, you know, Joe's wife, Priscilla, made some apple pies that they sold in the cafe this past weekend. And I didn't know that she made them. Listen, and I didn't get one and I was really upset about it. And I hope that you had one. I thought, I, I hope that you came bearing gifts today, but you didn't. <laughs> They're gone. They're gone. I, I, yeah, I saw. I saw. At, she had, yeah, at the she house, had, too. They're she, gone. She had the, <laughs> all that to say, I love sweets. And I know that. But it's hard for me, in many cases, to say no. I know why. And so that's the thing. We, we know. A lot of things that, that we know. Yeah. And we know the reasons why. I know I need to get out of a debt. You know? And, and you can list the reasons why I need to get out of debt. But... But then it's the discipline of it. Yeah, that's that is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, and I think that that can be a sobering fact when when you're talking about such a felt need, and whether we realize it or not. Um, I, I think that this point just kind of helped to to illustrate and to illuminate how um, how damaging isolation is. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- Fifteen cigarettes a day. <laughs> Wow. Come on, yeah, that was, that's a depressing thing, especially wow. for somebody that is there and is desiring that. But that's where I really, really appreciated that second point because for me, I felt like that second question and the second point couldn't come soon soon enough because you didn't just leave us there, right? And you didn't even just leave us at a cliffhanger. Hey, we'll talk about the. The hope next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like some of you, you smoking, smoking. I don't even know how many comes in a pack, but five, ten, maybe fifteen. So maybe you smoke a pack a day. Uh, okay. You know, I mean, couldn't tell you. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know either. But yeah. at the eleven o'clock, I kept on drilling down on the idea. Of, yeah, you. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in in the comedy world, they call that a callback. You keep calling back. You know what was the shocking or the 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 punchline. And so I had some callbacks, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to move on from cigarettes. How so, many cigarette callbacks did you have? I don't know, probably three, you, you know. I mean, I, I had some other things, like, you know, some of you puff the magic dragon out there. you just puffing on those cigarettes because you're sitting there in isolation. <laughs> oh, I you, you know, yeah. you know. Well, no, I didn't say it, but oh, okay. I was thinking of it. I was thinking of it, so. Yeah, but he did no. talk about going off by yourself and just smoking 15 <laughs> quick and fast. I mean, that, and being hey, by yourself. Yeah, yeah, if you're by yourself, might as well go ahead and smoke a camel, pack, you know, I don't you know camel yeah that's the other thing that i'm like brand you just kept yeah, yeah, camel i think i say martin i don't even know if i said marlboro no. but uh I, anyways so here we go getting off uh, yeah uh but it is crazy i mean it is shocking it's 15 shocking. cigarettes a day a day not like a month not a week mm. 15 a day if you are isolated mm. and you and you wonder what like and and that's where you and and then even to talk about 
Robert Putnam's book Bowling Alone. I mean, that's actually a fascinating book, and I think he wrote that in the 90s. And if you don't have community, it leads. It leads to suicide, depression, crime, and other social problems. I'm telling you, you you, you look at the landscape, the social landscape, man, we're there. We're there. The um, you know the numbers coming out of COVID. I mean, they were not pretty, mm-hmm. and so what you, what we're seeing is a deficiency in in, in community. Hmm. And the, the 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 statement uh, also uh, that you stated the the for the Gen Zers, I mm. think you said of. The most connected, but the most isolated. I think, yeah, it was something, yeah. something, but it, 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 it's true. It's like we have information and being able to connect, and I put that in quotes for those. Those are air quotes. Connect, yeah. yeah. But we're actually isolated. Oh yeah. Well, and that's a stat about Gen Z, but I think every generation, every generation, yeah, feel yeah, that right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's certainly probably more pronounced with Gen Z at the moment, but yeah. millennials, X, boomers, all the way up. Yeah, it's it. It does not discriminate. True. Yeah, and True. and you know you have to drill down too. Is that okay? And and I explain. I mean, this is part of where you you have to follow the whole thing of explaining what community is. So uh, acquaintances aren't community, right? Just because I have an acquaintance and I say hi, you know, I say how are you doing, like that. That's not community. Just because you work with a but maybe it's a team or maybe you have coworkers. Coworkers aren't necessarily community. Now, can you find community among coworkers? Yeah. Uh, just because you go to the YMCA doesn't mean that you have community. Mm-hmm. Now, can you find a community at the YMCA? Yeah. So, yeah. so, they, so, but, but I, I won't be able to know. And, you know, to Joe's point about air quotes is that, you know, acquaintances aren't community. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes what we label as friends aren't community, right. you know, family. Doesn't mean just because they're a family doesn't mean that they're a community. I mean, we unpack we we unpacked what biblical community is because we we actually see it with Mary and Elizabeth, and and then you you know I, you have to look at two. What are the obstacles? Because that those those were really big. Let me ask you this: So which one which one do you think is more prominent in terms of you know our the, the culture that you know? And again, this is more anecdotal. Um, but which one which obstacle or obstacles do you think are more pronounced than than others? So the obstacles you mean the the false belief we don't yeah. need it, uh, we don't know what it is, busyness, fear of being known, or self centeredness. Yeah. I think the easiest one on that list is to say busyness. Yeah. But I think if we drill down, uh, some of that busyness comes from fear of being known. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think those are certainly tethered to it. Um, the second one, don't know what it is. Uh, that's, that's a big one. Um, we have a, a whole society of lazy discerners. Um, even in the church, um, so we, we don't critically think about what those definitions are and what we how we challenge ourselves. Um, so it's interesting to think through that. But yeah, I'd say I'd say busyness, which is then connected to the fear of being known. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I think digging deep, the fear of being known, mm-hmm. because you know <laughs> we laughed too because when you're inviting someone over. That's exactly what happens. It's like, all right, we need to clean up. We got to get this up. We got to make it right. But the fear of 
the, for lack of better word, oh, well, no, the, the true word we've always used, the messiness, mm. Mm. that's real. Mm-hmm. And it's okay when you're in a community, that's okay. Yeah. And it's not the judgment. It it's truly becomes the connection because then you don't realize that, wait a minute, you've been through the same exact thing mm-hmm. or something similar. Mm-hmm. Now we're even connected even more. It's mm. good. That's good. And when when I think about and I even shared, I actually expounded on the fear of being on a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Because that is, I mean, that that is a fear that I have. Yeah. Because I'm a pastor. Mm. So when I show up and when the real Josh shows up, I don't know if you're gonna really appreciate. I because mean, I am. I'm just as down to earth, as authentic as I possibly can be. I'm, I try to be as transparent with you know, as I possibly uh can be. And so for me, like and Joe knows this and when you know this too, Matt, because we've traveled internationally together. Yeah. I, I, I cannot travel just with anyone internationally because they may not can handle like because you're with that you're with that group because you are going to be in community whether or not you like it or you know, whether or not you like it or not. Good point. Yeah. I mean, when you're traveling internationally on a mission trip, because you're gonna be waking up, you're gonna be spending the entire day with with those people. Yeah. Um, and you might be tired. You may not get enough sleep. And then you wake up and then when you're, when you're most vulnerable, when you're most tired, that's when, that's when, in some sense, really the real you come, comes out. And so, um, and and then also all of your idiosyncrasies, Mm. all of your, like, all that comes out when you travel. Mm. And so I, I've just known in, in my past, that not everybody can handle. Now, I mean, y'all have traveled with me. I'm not like awful, awful, but, I, you know, I mean, I'm not as talkative all the time. Sure. You, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more reserved. And so I've had people go, well, Pastor Josh just didn't like me. He didn't even talk to me this morning. Like, yeah. I'm just – it's 730. <laughs> I got five hours of sleep. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm a human being. Yeah, yeah. And so um, – mm. and then, you know, when people come over our house, like I, I remember not too uh, long ago – we had, I mean, we had some people come over our house, and and then, I mean, months later, I mean, they didn't like how I talked to Caleb. Well, hang on, like, we invited you in our house. You you might not like, okay, you might not, you you may not parent your children that way, but okay, but but I I do. So, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm I'm bad and you're good, or that I'm good and you're bad. Like it just means so so you I, you, you invite people in your house, and, and so here's the here's the reason why I think the fear of being known is a legitimate obstacle, mm. is because everyone is not a safe person. Talk Be- about that. Okay. Talk about safe person. Yes. Yeah. So, so when I say everyone um, is not a safe person, see, if you're going to develop community, and this is something that obviously I didn't get into. Sure. But if you are going to be in community, like authentic biblical community, you need to have safe people. Hmm. All right, so – and there's actually a book by Henry Cloud and John Townsend called Safe People. Ah, oh, okay. But I'll give, you, I'll give you an example of who a safe person wasn't, Judas. Mm. So here's a guy who spent three, three and a half years with Jesus in the inner circle, in the inner community, but, but he has things that he's wrestling with 
that he doesn't, you know, that he doesn't like. You know, and and he's struggling with things like the love of money. Yeah. Um, and so, what does he do? He he betrays Jesus for thirty pieces of silver. Um. And and, and so, with who he was, and he was getting facts, you, you know that that in essence were unsafe for the community, particularly Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, um. Not every person is a safe person where you can show up and be your authentic self without that person using who you are against you. Yeah. And that's what for me, you know, as a pastor, that has that has been the obstacle for me of because I've wanted to treat everybody as a safe person. Not everybody's a safe person because not everybody not everybody can receive my humanness. Hmm. Not everybody can receive my weaknesses. Not everybody can receive me as I am. Because again, we, we looked at, you know, what does you know biblical community look like? And we'll right. get there in a second. But a biblical right. community receives you as you are mm. and invites you into your you know, in, into their life. Mm. Um you know, so Hmm. That's, again, it's this receiving as who you are now, and, and that's where when you look at the list, and because I only went over the list in the eleven o'clock, and we can, we can go over the list and extra takes because, or no, I went over the list of all of the the ways the New Testament community rallies around, like in terms of practices community. I said that at the five p.m. on Saturday. I did not say them at the nine or the eleven, but. But if you really are going to build authentic community, you need to be a safe person. And so I'll just give you like I just I just pulled pulled up and this is on the cloudtownsend.com. So Henry Cloud and John Townsend wrote the book Safe People. And so uh, this was actually, gosh, I mean, 1995 is mm. is this resource. Mm. But what are safe people? So safe relationships do three things. They draw us closer to God. They draw us closer to others. And they help us become the real person God created us to be. And so when, when asked uh, to describe a safe person, here are the descriptions. A safe person accepts me just like I am. A safe person loves me no matter how I am being or what I do. A safe person influences and and develops my ability to love and be responsible. A safe person helps create love and good works within me. A safe person gives me an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to grow, and doesn't condemn Mm. me where I'm at. Mm. A safe person is someone I can actually be myself around without worrying about condemnation. Mm. Or I can't believe you would say that. Sure. A safe person allows me to be on the outside who I am on the inside. A safe person helps me uh, to deny myself for others and God. A safe person allows me to become the me that God intends me. You, you see that in some sense, almost like even the paradox, is that the safe person accepts me, but even together, and this is what really good community is, is even though the safe person accepts me as I am and lets me be my authentic, true self, my, the, the safe person also helps shape me and mold me, speaking into my life to be more like Jesus. 
which is a safe person, helps me to be more like Christ, helps mm-hmm. me love others. Mm-hmm. And, and so so that's where I like every, you know, uh, every person that you – that you encounter is not a safe person, and if they are unsafe, you cannot develop true, authentic, biblical community with them. Mm. Mm. And that's, and again, that's part of the fear of being known. That's fascinating. You talked about that paradox of 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 the person accepting you who you are but but they don't stop there and i think that's a really important point that they are there to basically um encourage and speak into your life in order so that you are pointed to jesus and become more like jesus so um this isn't just about you know accepting being accepted yeah, exactly. where you are accepting that's, people that's where you point. where they are and just leaving them there right but it's this this idea of of true biblical love and and pointing people to that. That's, uh, that's And I think that kind of brings a difference from being, you know, condemned for something to where like wait a minute, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. That that biblical side of it, the Christian side of it, mm-hmm. that's the part to where okay, like you said is it safe mm-hmm. or unsafe? That's where that kind of that line is to where you feel like, you know what, somebody's condemning me because I've made this mistake instead of talking to me. And it doesn't mean that that person can't tell you, no, that's wrong, but it's the sharing and the building up of, no, that's wrong. Let's yeah. get deeper into that. Well, and that's and here's sometimes the, the difficult part of even like, no, you're wrong. There are people, I mean, there, there, are, there are areas in our life that are truly gray areas that one person might be under conviction and doing it. Another person may not be. I mean, Paul talks about these gray areas and... You have you have in some sense this freedom and this liberty, but but you but you have to be discerning. And so in the church world, and this is part of where it just becomes really messy with religious people. And I say religious people, and some Christians can actually be religious people where they major on the minors. Mm-hmm. And so with this with, with, with this liberty that God has given us, again, there, there is a personal discernment and conviction that comes with it. But what happens is in uh, unsafe people is that they'll have a personal conviction that they have now majored on the minor and then they begin to infringe their personal conviction on others and then judge the others for not doing what they have done. Yeah. And, and and that's hard. And so, you know, they, uh, they being uh, Cloud and Townsend, they actually go on to talk about three qualities of safe people. And around around Jesus being the obviously the greatest example of a safe person, and what did he do? He dwelt among, and they, they use John, you know, John chapter one. He dwelt among them, so he tabernacled um, among humanity, mm. and he was full of what grace and truth. Mm. And so, and if you look at how Jesus even dwelt among his disciples, just use the three three and a half years that he dwelt uh, with them. I mean, there, there are only a handful of times where he he really chastised them, and he really chastised them around their lack of faith, mm-hmm. you, you know. Uh, but when even you look at, you know, some of his disciples that weren't even part of the 12, but Mary and Martha, when they're questioning, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus, where were you? Because if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. I mean, they really are kind of angry, and Jesus never, I mean, he he allows a lot to happen. 
Hmm. Um, you know, which is part of that grace, but this idea of just dwelling is that if you're going to dwell with someone, then you you are going to what what the New Testament even says for brothers and sisters to do with one another. If you're going to dwell with someone, you got to bear with them. Mm-hmm. Like so, think about your family. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, even as parents, we got to we get we we got to bear with our children uh, because they're growing, they're developing, mm-hmm. and they may not be where we want them to be. And then you actually want to, especially you, you know. As you're learning to parent, because that 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 is that just doesn't come innately in the sense of good parenting. Uh-huh. So you would hope that your children would bear with you, mm-hmm. you know, so that you're going to bear with one another. But why? Because you're dwelling. Like if you cannot bear with one another, mm-hmm. then, then then you're not going to be able to put up with one another. And so, therefore, you're not going to be able to dwell. And so, part of community is dwelling, which is why we see with Mary. And Elizabeth, she lived with she lived with them. Mary lived with them for three months. You you're gonna have to like maybe Mary didn't make her bed every day. You, you know, is Elizabeth gonna go? Mary, you are such a slob. I mean, I mean, I, we don't know what happened, but I mean, like when you dwell, I mean, that's the thing about these missionary trips that we take. You're you're basically dwelling. You may not be staying in the same room, but when you wake up, I mean, like in some sense, you're going to your hotel room, which is yeah. a separate bedroom, yeah. and then you get up and you're doing breakfast, you're doing lunch, you're doing dinner. You've already you, you just spent yourself, and so yeah. you you're gonna have to bear with one another if you're gonna dwell with one another. Yeah. And so, so dwelling, grace, and truth. And so now that truth is like, okay, I can see, hey, when, you, you know, when you see things that are out of line, okay, yeah, you, you, you want to be full of grace and truth. So, so in a gracious but truthful manner, then you're going to say no. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to correct. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to gently rebuke. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's so important. Like if you really want to be a safe person, mm-hmm. you got to dwell so you got to be in community. You got to be full of grace and truth. And I'll just say this because I did use the word religious Christians. Religious Christians are like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And when you look at them, there there just wasn't a lot of grace that they extended mm. to people. Mm. And so they were they, they were heavy on on the truth. But they were also heavy on the legalism that they implemented in their own life to try and protect the truth, Mm. which then made them unsafe people, which is why the common folk didn't want to get around them. Mm. Because now, now there's, there's this, there's this gap, you know, between, between them. But the Son of God, God incarnate, closed the gap. Why? Because he dwelt among them and was full of grace and truth. Mm. And they wanted to be around him. Mm. Yeah. He was a safe person. Mm. But he was also a person that, when again, when you look at these, even these descriptions that uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend talk about, he was such a safe person, but such an, this incredible person that when you were around him, you you couldn't you couldn't leave the same. Mm-hmm. You you always were different. Mm. Yeah. So so again, that bringing in that whole safe person or being a safe yeah being a safe person a safe people to this conversation is definitely an extra take on on community. Well, it's it's really interesting how we can how we can try to to break down that barrier. Right? These are the these are the barriers of uh, of. You know, really true, authentic community, and the fear of being known, whether um, 
whether it's, you know, trying for us, trying to find and discern safe people in our life and or, well, I would say and, being a safe person to others, right? Yep. Um, and, and as you said, you know, as we are being a safe person, it is not, um, it is not just to be nice, um, just for the sake of being nice. It's to be more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to be, uh, you know, uh, model, you know, modeling after his life. Mm. So that really gets us to that next question: is uh, is where do you find such community? Um, I think what we'll do is is we'll end this first part after questions one, two, and three, and then we'll pick up part two mm-hmm. um, with questions four and and five or four, and we have a couple others. So where do you find such, such community? I, I loved how you followed that up with um, the really heaviness of the first question with a very practical, okay, but, but there is actual, there is hope. Yeah. And, um, and, and let's think in a real realistic way. And, and as you laid out those three reasons, there's a shared faith, shared experiences, and shared hope. What you were essentially saying was, although it's not easy and automatic, Look around you, especially if you're in the room, you know, worshiping. Look around you, and you have an opportunity mm-hmm. to find that community here. Yeah, and that doesn't have to look like the same age, the same stage of life, the same race, the same language. Um, the shared experiences sometimes that that is the the you know there are some commonalities, right? So for myself and and Kaylee, we've really been cultivating and seeing some other young families with kids our age and especially sitting kind of around us at the nine o'clock service. And it's been wonderful to, to, to develop that and to think about now, now what does that look like? Because there is a, a shared experience with having mm-hmm. elementary age kids. Yeah. We also have the shared faith and, and the shared hope. So, um, so yeah, just, I would love for us to reflect on this idea of, you know, where we find community and um, and how those are centered around those three, the shared faith, shared experiences, and shared hope. Yeah, going back to even connecting the dots between safe people and even shared faith mm. is that, you know, like I was talking about, like personal convictions, so, so on gray areas, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. With, you know, gray areas with – you're with respect to what do you believe about alcohol? Yes yeah. or no? Yeah. You know, um, what do you believe um, about even like eschatology? So the theology of the future. I mean, th- those are in some sense gray areas in the sense they are really more tertiary doctrines. But if you elevate them though to primary, then that actually becomes part of your primary faith. Now again, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean. That you can't have these personal convictions or these personal, you know, stances on theology or you know personal convictions around liberties, um, and, and that they are part of your faith. But if you elevate them to the essentials of your faith, right. then you limit community. So, so for instance, that's one of the reasons why I love the fact that we are a non-denominational church. Yeah, we did a whole series earlier this year in July our TED series, Theological Educational Discourses, where we outlined the primary essentials. And because we outlined these primary essentials, basically we're saying this is what – these are the primary essentials of what we believe that make up our faith. Now, you can have you can have differing views theologically on what you believe about 
the uh, gifts of the Spirit, uh, but still be in community here. Uh, you can have differing theological positions about eschatology, but still, but but you, again, you are you're welcomed here to have that because here's the here's the essentials. Mm-hmm. So like so in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, uh, what we want to, you know, what we want to be able to create is unity, even in diversity. There, and so that's where I want to just drill down. There is that in terms of that shared faith, the more nuanced you make your faith in terms of the more essential, the more of the essentials you make of your faith into the nuance of theology and convictions is the more limited you become in your community. Does that make sense? It, it makes so, so much sense. And, and you know, I, I'm thinking about a couple things. First of all, um, the theology and where we put those buckets. It's, it's one thing to have um, positions, but what you're saying is, you know, are, are we making those positions secondary or, or primary? And the more we're making them yeah. primary, the more we're limiting ourselves. The same with so so I'll go back to the example of where we are personally with kids how we, how we parent and how how we raise our mm-hmm. kids. Uh, Kaylee and I talk about all the time. We we want to be people that can be friends with a broad array of parenting styles and and convictions. Right? Yeah. We we can we cannot agree with how they're doing it on a whole host of. Right. But if if we're the people that are so passionate to a fault and making it quote a primary issue then we're going to limit that community but if we're holding it if we're holding our our palms open in terms of and and really i think that comes with a need and desire um to be uh to have confidence right uh, a self-awareness um so so this certainly plays a role in faith but i think it plays a role in in different areas of our life our our passions our approaches to different things and um and the more narrow we are the more opinionated we are, the we're going to limit ourselves. Well, and then that goes. Well, I hate to say that goes back to the egotistical, narcissistic, yeah, and self-centered. And again, I, that's a harsh point. That that's a hard. I mean, it, but but then because what you're saying when you elevate all these other things, like so, I, I don't know which church father or theologian said this, but it but they said in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity. So in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. But when everything becomes essential for you, and again, I've, I've met those people, when everything becomes essential for you, you limit community. Because now you think that you own the market on every single area of life and how you are to live in that area, how you are to think about that area. And parenting is a really good you know, element because, okay, so if, if you are if you are such a staunch believer and you, you think essentially that your kids should not have a cell phone until they're, you, you know, 18 years old. I don't know. I'm just throwing that sure. number out there. Yeah. But, but you have a family that has a, a 10, a 12, and a 14-year-old. They all have their smartphones. They're all on Instagram and Snapchat. But you think in your, in, in your own life that, man, that is, that, is, that is sin because I would never – 
You're never you're never going to have community with those people. Now again, now is God calling you to have communion with those people? I, I I don't know, but that's a, an example of how when you're elevating non-essentials to essentials, it's going to prevent you mm. from being in in community. And then Joe, you were going to say something for I rudely interrupted you. No, I was. You brought up the self-centeredness because then it comes back to, well, it's all about me, and it's my world, and I'm going to control right here. So, and a lot of people, they're not going to be, want it to be all about you. If it's true community, and as the community, we're talking about biblical community, it's supposed to be sharing. Yeah. And you're stopping that sharing. You're the only one sharing. And then you're not going to listen, and it just goes yeah. that way. So that's, I and, would just connect in that. Well, and if you're, if you're a parent that you, you don't want to give your kids a smartphone until they're 18, like, like that, that's your personal conviction. And I, I applaud that, you know, but, for, but I know that there are people that, and again, I don't. I mean, I I do know people in my in my past that they have a very condemning and judgmental view on parents who allow those things to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, but again, that 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 is a personal liberty, you, you know. And so, be a little bit more charitable, and you can be inquisitive and ask them, "Hey, w- what decision went into allowing your kid?" You know, because I'm I'm wrestling with it. So, so there's a way to even have authentic community with people who may not even be living out these again these non essential areas the way you would live them out. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's part of where. You this idea of of Proverbs twenty seven seventeen as iron sharpens iron, so does one uh, man sharpen the countenance of another. Is part of community is that you're sharpening one another because there actually might even be a middle point that both of those families come into you know come into reality with because they're now sharpening one another and asking the right questions in community. Mm, that sharing. That that I mean that's the thing to share. That's the vulnerability and openness mm. of you know what came in. You know I'm just thinking of that example because I've had that before. So you know just to ask what came into that. Yeah. Let's talk about that because maybe there's something that I'm missing. But yeah. then that opens it up and you're not throwing the wall up. Yeah. Well, and this goes back to you know I made a comment uh, when I read the bowling alone quote from Robert Putnam about our own culture, mm-hmm. you know, that we we don't live in the United States of America. We live in the fragmented, the divided states of America. And I started watching the Divergent series again, and it's all around factions. They had they had separated the, the population, and it was actually – it took place in the city of Chicago, but they had taken it after this big, huge war – they did this experiment where they took the entire population and they divided them into five factions because that was the way that they were going to create peace. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what what's interesting today, and, and here's the thing: if you did not if if you did not bear the characteristics and the behavior and the thought pattern of that of of that faction, then you were out. Um, and, and so, but but. But when you got to a here's the thing what what they did is when you got to a certain age you got to pick which faction but 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 you were stuck with that faction and if you did not fit that faction then you were kicked out and you became faction less mm. and they hated and they despised and they were threatened by people who were divergent who expressed all kinds of mm. those characteristics of each of the factions 
I share that because what we are seeing today, the whole idea of cancel culture is the creation of factions. Because what you're seeing is this 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 tribal notion of of human beings in their fallenness be created once again. That if you don't think exactly like me, if you don't do exactly what I do, if you don't believe the exact policies that I believe in, then you cannot be part of my party. And so we we are so narrowing party politics. Uh, we are so narrow, narrowing the, these other factions. I mean, in schools. I mean, that's why I hold, you know, the, I mean, like, I, I could go on and on and on. And, and we actually do that in the church. If we, if we really think about it, we shun people and we don't let them in community because they're not exactly like us. And so if we truly want community, though, you, you know, so that that's why you know, when we get back to the series in power, and this will be mid-February of 2024, we are going to start in Acts chapter 15 where there's there's this big, huge fight internally in the church of who's in and who's out. Mm-hmm. The Jerusalem Council. Yes, and it's all around the shared faith mm-hmm. because the Jewish – the, the Jewish Christians, they, they wanted Gentiles to be Jewish Christians, not Gentile Christians. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying, hey, you need to believe in Jesus plus X, Y, and Z if you want to become part. And, and, and Paul's arguing, no, no, it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. You, you know, and so, and, but th- this is what happens in the church. Why do you think you have so many denominations? Why do you think there's so many different kinds of churches? Is because what we have done is that we have factioned out the church and said, hey, it, you have to, you, you have to now, you have to have Jesus plus this. You have to have Jesus plus this if you really want to fit in here. And so, and what we're trying to do here at Northland is that we're trying to maintain integrity with the scriptures of what it truly means to be the church, what it truly means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, and to have theological integrity while maintaining a, 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 a more larger tent for those who want to make Jesus the center and these 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 primary and again there, there's there's just a handful of primary uh, theology you know theologies that we adhere to that throughout church history and even throughout the people of God have have held to these kinds of of theology. So, so, but that's where, I mean, it's so important because if you start making factions, you are, you are actually building even, even bigger fences around your community. Um, but then the shared experiences, like, really, like, okay, because if you and that's why I love the the Mary and the Elizabeth. There, you got a teenager, you got a you got an older lady, uh, you got one poor, one you know kind of middle class. Like, but you're looking at okay, what what are some shared seasons? So parenting could be a shared season. Uh, you might have somebody who is in the same kind of vocation. You know, kind of they they got a, a, a like a shared background or shared interest, and so. Um, it is okay to build community around those shared experiences. Why? Because it gives you things to talk about. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have things to talk about with your faith, yeah, yeah. but you have things to talk about now with your shared experiences. And then the shared hope, like what what do you want to see? And so for, for me, that's where the church, we ought to embody this because 
We really want to see God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and so and you could actually see that Mary and Elizabeth, I mean, they're, they're wanting that too. Now, obviously, they're not going to voice it just like that, but that's how Jesus teaches us to pray. Your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and so part of the, the church's hope is now, and again, when you look at, when you look at shared faith, shared experiences, and shared hope, what's the one commonality that every believer has? That can they that they can build community around sure those three thing. things, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is our faith. Mm. Jesus is who we are experiencing daily, mm. and then hope. This is what we're hopeful for Jesus to do. Amen. Because mm. here's another thing that I talk about when I do premarital counseling. So this is for all my married folks out there. Raise your hand if you're married. I'm just joking because I can't see you. But I, but actually, I got two guys around the table that they are both married and they and, raise their hands. So. And this little nugget's going to be free. And this little nugget's going to be free. <laughs> so one of the things I tell them, I say, so what? You know, so Joe's spitting out his water, by the way, just for people. I got it. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So one of the things I ask these couples that are getting premarital counseling before they get married, I'm like, so what what drew you to the person? You know, so they tell me, oh, he's such a kind guy. Oh, she's beautiful. I mean, all all this stuff. I'm like, okay, what happens when he doesn't become a kind guy? What happens when she's no longer beautiful in the sense that you see her? See, see, those are things that change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what's the one common What's the one commonality that would never change? That's the same yesterday, today, and forever that you can build your future on. Mm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. You see, because, you know, and that's where our faith should never change, but our experiences might change from, from just a human element. Mm. But when, when you look at, when you look at Jesus, though, him being the anchor and the center of biblical community as our faith never changes, as we continue to experience Jesus, he's constantly the one common element that is helping craft our experience as a, as a human being. And then the hopeful anticipation that we have, the, the hopeful expectations that we have that Jesus, he, he gives us in his word of what he's wanting to do. Listen, that, that my brothers and sisters, is truly the the community that is that is built that's where you find it in in the church because Jesus is the one thing the one person that never changes mm-hmm. but that changes us and that we can talk about it amen so amen yes so let's do this let's uh let's wrap let's wrap up part 1 there okay um next week we will dig into those uh next or those next two, which is what does community look like and what happens when you find community. We will also talk about Mary's Magnificat. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Northland family and friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Extra Takes. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.